0: You. Well, good morning, everyone. Um, as Pastor Ben said, I'm uh, Sarah Siders. I'm the pastor of outreach here at Mosaic Church. Um, and, uh, you mm-hmm. know, it's graduation weekend. It's uh, Mother's Day. So there's a lot going on. Uh, so welcome to all of you who are here visiting. Uh, for our graduates, congratulations on, uh, you know, getting through high school, getting through college. It's really exciting. Um, milestone that you are achieving. So, so that's really amazing. Um, as Ben was saying during the prayer, Mother's Day can be fraught with a lot of tensions for us. Uh, whether it's on the side of you know, being a mother or wanting to be a mother or having a mother. All of us got here by having a mother. Um, and it, it's a complicated day for a lot of people. So there's you know strained relationships, death, loss, and separation. Um, And again, just like delayed motherhood uh, through infertility. That was part of my story. And I know that um, it it just feels there's attention to it. And so we want to know that no matter where you are in your journey, it matters. And we see you. um, And we want to honor you today. And we also want to honor the many ways that women become mothers and that women, um, mother as a verb and and mother as a noun. Um, So there's fostering and adoption, there's mentoring, there's um, birth, there's adoption, there's just so many ways that women become mothers. And so we wanna honor you in whatever way you have mothered and are a mother, that is really um, amazing. So I know we're working out sound here a little bit. Um, So bear with me if you're feeling like my voice is changing. We're working that out. Um, (laughs) uh, But I think that one of the things about Mother's Day that maybe we can all relate to is that mothers tend to be the one person in your life that are like impossible to buy gifts for right? Raise your hand if you have a mom in your life who's impossible to buy gifts for. Does anybody have that person? No? Some of you guys are like, no, my mom, I, my mom tells me what she wants. Um, and that's amazing. But sometimes it feels like the mom or the mother-in-law or some mom in your life is like the person who has everything. Or when you ask them, like, what do you want? They'll say like, nothing. And it's like, what does that mean, right? What are we supposed to do with that? And so sometimes we can be left guessing um, and trying to like, make sure that we don't mess it up because we love our moms so much and yet we're trying to navigate that. So one thing that I heard a few years ago uh, was some research. I was at a um, perinatal conference because in the past I was a maternal mental health therapist and um, so I was at this conference and they were sharing some new research about what moms want. And I was like, everyone's like sitting there, you know, like tell us, you know, even the mom's like, what do we want, you know? Um, And so this, I thought was really helpful. Um, It just kind of like brought it all together. Moms want to feel like a good mom. They want to have a close knit family and they want to feel like their kids like them. Does that sound right? Do any moms resonate with that? They're like, yeah, that's pretty much it. So if moms are saying like, I don't want anything, It's not so much that we want nothing, it's that maybe like that candle or that pair of socks or whatever doesn't necessarily gesture at being a good mom, but maybe it does, right? Uh, But these are the things that we want. We wanna feel like our family likes each other, that we want to hang out, that we don't have to like tug at, you know, guilt heartstrings to get you to like come back and visit. We want you to like just kind of be magnetically drawn home we're not always sure how to do that, but these are the kinds of things that moms want. And so, on Mother's Day, I want to give you that because maybe you are going to visit your mom after this, and you still haven't gotten the gift yet because you've been trying to figure out what to get. And so, maybe it's just something um, simple. So, for moms, you know, in in your life, or maybe if you are a mom, you're trying to communicate what it is that you want. Getting to know love languages can be really helpful. Um, You know, so if it's like a physical touch, like giving hugs or writing a card for someone who has a um, words love language, just being honest about like thinking, you know, about how you appreciate them, maybe just like one thing or a memory or something like that. Pictures, getting people together and giving them this experience. And I, again, I know this is complicated. I know it is, and sometimes we don't have these relationships with our moms, but sometimes if we want to cut through and just go, okay, what matters to them on this day? How can I honor them? Um, just those really practical, simple things are actually what most moms are wanting, the simple acts of connection. So I wanted to just lead with that, and if anyone was still navigating the mystery of what moms want, there you go. Um, so we can move on. Uh, Mother's Day is a day that in Christian community, we examine how God shows up for us in a mothering way, right? So we know that if we go all the way back to Genesis, it said that, that human beings were created in the image of God. Male and female, he created them, right? And so the image of God is fully represented in man and woman, right? So we know that when women are caring for children, that that is a huge part I don't know how that breaks down of how God parents us how God nurtures us and so we really want to touch into the mother's heart of God so that we can really understand how God is parenting us and there are a couple really beautiful themes that emerge as we look through scripture and so I just want to kind of touch on those today and this will be something that you can take with you no matter who you are no matter uh, if you are a mom no matter your relationship with your mom Uh, so when I found out that I was pregnant with both of my boys, um, that was a journey for me. I had to like, I would say I had to pray my kids in. Um, I, I never like, you know, was just minding my business and then had a baby and people, you know, there's, there's people like that. They're like, yeah, we're just, you know, hanging out and then there was a baby and I'm like, wow, that's great. Uh, that was not my story. Um, I had to just pray a lot, pray a lot, give up, cry, yell, do all the things. And then I got, you know, a kid. And I was like, okay. And then I had to do all that stuff again uh, for the next one. And so when I did get pregnant, I actually had uh, names for my kids before I, um, they, before I was pregnant with them. That's a whole different story. But it was very cool. So when I was pregnant, I, like, already knew their name. So um, then I would kind of, like, build out this idea of who they were. And, like, it, I know it sounds very woo, but trust me, it's way more woo than you think. Okay, so I literally had like a song for each of them. Like my oldest was um, a song by Lauryn Hill, and my youngest was a song by Elton John. And I would sing these songs and be like, "Oh my God! I don't know why. I just knew that those were their songs." And then I had these sense about their personality based on their name. And so I designed their rooms um, and painted them and put everything together based on their personality. Um I had a mural done for my first one. I had all these other things. Some of you who have known me a long time have like watched that process and it has been really fun because my kids despite like I was trying to understand them and like create this little nurturing environment for them to be themselves. Um there's there's still they are those things, but there's so much more, right? We're always discovering the people in our lives. We never really know everything about everyone. Um, but I really loved just, like, tapping into that sense of who my kids were and welcoming them in that way. And, I, you know, I know that all of those things are, like, a little extra. And maybe you're like, I didn't do any of that. I, like, had a baby name book. I, like, looked up names on the Internet, you know, and that's, that's totally fine. This was just how I did it. Um and it fit fit me and my personality. But I was also normal, you know. I went to Target and they give you like the scanner gun to make the baby registry. I don't know if anyone's had to do this. And I it's like so intimidating that I'm like up there, you know, like, I don't know, yes, I went have everything. And you know, I ended up with like a little astroturf uh bottle dryer. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's like a little green square that looks like grass. Um, And, like, why does anyone need that? You know, what is that? Um, Why do we have that? Turns out, like, diaper pails, not necessary. So many things that you think you need, you don't actually need. But this was all the season of preparation, right? I was trying to get ready for this person that I didn't know and and couldn't see. Um, When we'd go to the ultrasound, I would always say, like, I'm visiting my kid, because I could see him. And then I would go home and be like, I don't know what this is, but there's my kid on the screen. and so, you know, we would uh, do all these different things. My oldest was the first grandchild on both sides. So every single toy that you could buy at any toy store is in now in my basement. Um, it was like so much love, so much uh, love-bombing, really, is what it was. Uh, I think my oldest had five baby showers. It was intense, so intense. Um, but the thing is, is that... All of that preparation just demonstrates that before my kids were born, they were already loved, right? They they had not, a lot of people didn't know their names, we did, but they'd never seen this child, and there's all of this love and affection coming at them before they even show up. And so this is how God designed family, and I know it doesn't always work like this. But God is designing family and friendships and community so that when someone emerges into the world, that there's been this preparation and they would be already loved. And even when that's not our experience as a human around our you know family of origin or our community, this is how God loves us. God loves us with an already love. And in fact, God's love goes so far back that it's before we were even conceived. Um, Jeremiah 1 talks about God loving us before we were even in the womb it says before I formed you in the womb I knew you before you were born I set you apart and Psalm 139 reminds us that God is part of every moment of our lives he's responsible for the idea of us right that you were an idea before you even occurred to your parents Um, and every aspect of how your soul your personality your body come together Um, In Psalm 139, it says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb, every part, even your soul, even your personality. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. There's another interpretation that I really love. It says, how precious to me are your thoughts concerning me. How vast is the sum of them. Isn't that amazing that God's thoughts are constantly toward you. He's thinking about you all the time. And as we transition out of our parents' homes um, we know that our parents, and especially our moms, are like, are you good? How are you doing? Um, you, know, you don't call anymore. What's going on? And how vast is the sum of a mother's thoughts and love toward her children, and especially as they're launching out into the world. It's like we're just we're sending a tether out to try to, like, hold on to them and make sure that they're good. Um, that, that vast sum of thoughts is something that I really love and then I love it even at the end when it says, "And when I wake, I'm still with you. That just feels like such a nurturing, um, you know, like a newborn, right? That, that baby wakes up and goes to sleep with their parent, with their mom. And I love how Dave, David acknowledges this incredible act of mothering on God's part. Uh, how he's intentionally knitting us together piece by piece, fulfilling the dream of who he made us to be. But God's idea actually goes back even before, even further. So thousands of years after David wrote this psalm, the Apostle Paul reminds a young Ephesian church that we were loved and chosen even before the foundation of the world. So even before the world was created, you were in the mind of God. It says, for he chose us in him, before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight in love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the grace the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves so God's love for us is an already love so that when you're born no matter how surprised your parents were when you got here, right? God was not surprised. It was an intentional thing on his part. And before the foundation of the world, you were a part of the plan. At the point in history, when you emerged onto the scene, you were there in God's mind for that exact moment. And so... The already love of God means that we're born into love, no matter our family circumstances, no matter the story of your birth, no matter how you were told about it. Oh, you were surprised. Oh, you were an accident. All those things that we have, these family narratives that tell us who we are, it doesn't matter because before the foundation of the world, you were in the mind of God. It meant to emerge at this exact time. And so our mothers are meant to be a model of this already love of God. Loving us through service, through adoration, through preparation, through attachment. Just to name a few things. But that's how moms often show up. And you know, our mothers are not perfect, right? As a mom, I am very aware that I am not perfect. Um, But our mothers are trying to love us in that already love way. And there's another way that moms uh, try to love us when we fail, when we, when we make a mistake, when we attempt something, right? Even from the very beginning when you're learning to sit and you're learning to walk, that moms are so often the one there, like just, okay, here, you know, stepping a couple steps back and letting you stand up and wobble and try to walk just a little bit and not being like, oh, you can't walk? Well, I guess you never will, right? No one is saying that to a baby, right? You're saying, oh my goodness, you almost got it. Keep trying that encouragement, right? And that encouragement is what we continue to hear throughout our lives, hopefully from our moms, but definitely from God. You guys, that that voice in our head that's like, oh, you messed up. That was your one shot, right? Whatever a parent A kind parent is saying to their baby as they're attempting to walk is what God is saying to you as you attempt to make new changes and growth in your life, right? That encouragement that like, hey, you know what? You got a little bit further this time. All right, let's try again, right? That kind of encouragement is what God is bringing. Our mothers love us anyway. So we are loved already when we are born and we are loved anyway when we mess up in spite of our flaws. Now, again, moms are not perfect at this. We get mixed messages from our caregivers. Our parents are bringing their pain into the story. And so even though they're making efforts to love us, there's an accumulation of pain that happens as we go through our lives. And you know, even when, when we get hurt, have you heard the phrase, hurt people hurt people, right? And so eventually we become the agents of pain in someone else's life. And now it's really confusing because we were being being hurt or confused with some of the things that were happening in our families and now we're the ones who are doing that and it's like oh man you know how can I be restored how can I be forgiven and it's in that place of needing restoration that we need another kind of love from God to intervene and so it's because God loves us already it's this pre-existing love that sets us up for the even greater love it's the love of redemption this is how God loves us anyway. Redemptive love is in any way love. Ephesians 2 describes this anyway love that God has for us. And how it's how it has the power to transform us. It says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And then here in this next verse, in Ephesians 2.10, God is bringing it together. He's showing how the already love that we're born into comes together with that redemptive love. It says, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus, created, already loved, To do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And so it's the combination of the already love of God that you're born into, intersecting with the anyway, redemptive love of God that we encounter when we need it, right? You're born into love, even if it feels like you're not. Even if the story is dark, even if it's confusing, you're born into love. And as you go through your life and you accumulate confusion and harm and pain and you become part of the story of, of joy and sadness right of that the, that exists in the world and you need redemptive love you can participate in that love as well from god and at the moment that you are accepting the the creative love of god that gave you birth and life and the moment that you're accepting that redemptive love that's that moment of activation where you are uniquely moved into your purpose those two forms of love Come together to bring us into our calling. So the plan for you is that you are born into love, and you are redeemed by love. You are loved already, and you are loved anyway. That's your calling. That's your destiny. And I have seen God love me anyway in some really, really incredible ways. Um, if if there is like a, a big narrative of my life, it is that I'm loved anyway um, I am a little bit of a bruiser sometimes, you know, like, I, I got, like, injured a whole bunch of times when I was a kid, and coming up, you know, I'm just, like, all over the place, really an intense person, and, um, and so, you know, as I'm, like, loving my kids, I love them a lot, but I also get, you know, frustrated with them, and it's so weird, because when you're a parent of a, of a preschooler, it feels like the first child, um, at least in, in my house, my first child was, um, You know, I met my match. He was like a lot of my personality. And so it was like coming right back at me. And if you've ever tried to get a toddler to take medicine, brush their teeth, go to the bathroom, it's like real basic stuff that you feel like you should be able to get them to do. But you can't wow, you're like, and all of these things are like happening in the bathroom. And it's a small space, you know what I mean? It's like, I don't wanna be in here with you crying and now I'm crying. And you know, it's just a little bit stressful. So once you get into the potty training stage, this will break lesser people. I was one of the lesser people, okay? We started my oldest like too early. And so he was just very resistant. And so we spent like the better part of a year with him just sitting there, swinging his feet, and me, like, sitting somewhere adjacent, like, crying in the bathtub, like, oh, will will never be done. I'll be 20, and we'll be doing this, um, and so just one of those days where he was three, and I was, like, I just I was ready to be done with this process, and so I was getting frustrated, and I wasn't managing myself very well. And so I felt bad, like how I was acting and I needed to go calm down and I just, I needed a minute. So I left the bathroom and I'm sitting there just disappointed with myself, you know, like come on, this is a preschooler, like manage yourself better. I have all this like, you know, like the floodgates of negative self-talk going on. I'm sitting there on the bed and little John walks into the doorway and he looks at me and I'm like, no, don't look at me with your little precious moment face. Dang it. And then he, lo- he looks and he goes, you are a good mom. Yeah. What? And I'm like, oh, no, God's talking. Oh, no. <laughs> like, I got to get out of here, you know? Because it's like when you're being loved anyway and you just want to heap like, the darkness on yourself and someone's being kind to you, you're like, I don't know what to do with you. I'm kind of mad at you. Like, stop being so nice. You know what I mean? Um, and then he says it again. He says, you are a good mom and that moment I was like this is this guy is three he how could he possibly be speaking this truth to me but children are like so often the voice of love the voice of God to us and in that moment I sensed that I was being loved anyway by this little person who is trying to learn this thing that he has never had to learn okay and I'm frustrated and I'm in that moment giving up And he, the little tiny guy, is calling me back to who I am at my core. Calling me out of the negative self-talk and saying, this is who you are. And I'm here to remind you. Isn't that powerful? So powerful. And so that is what God is saying to us. And if you're a mom and you need to hear, you are a good mom, then you are a good mom. You are a good mom see Jesus standing in the doorway of your life saying you are a good mom because here's the thing everything that is dark and broken is temporary right and everything that is good and whole and pure is eternal so if you have dark and broken parts of your life are they eternal or temporary and what is most real is it what is temporary or what is eternal right we know that it was what most what is most true and real about us is what is eternal Right? And so we are—we are called to tell ourselves the truth that as Holy Spirit is is transforming us inside from from the inside out. We are called to tell ourselves the truth about who God says we are. That you are loved already and anyway, you are loved. You can have an argument with yourself. You can argue with God. If you are arguing with God, guess who's wrong? Right. I love that. That actually feels so freeing to me. I like, I like to argue with God. I like to tell him exactly what I think and let's duke it out. But he, that process is going to change me on the inside. And so to argue with God about my self-worth is to engage in a, in a debate in which I will lose and become convinced of my worthiness. How cool is that? So I encourage all of you to fight with God about your worthiness, okay? Um, but God in that moment and in so many other moments has called me to be loved in spite of my flaws. And those are the moments where we realize that God is the one doing the work, that he's the one who is bringing us into the world in love, that we're being born and created into love. We are loved already. And then the redemptive work of God is done through Jesus' death and resurrection. And God did that too. So what's my part in this? right? Here's God doing all this stuff, right? Dreaming me up from the foundation of the world, and then at just the right moment, I'm being bored, and this story might be very, very messy and crazy, but you are in that moment, in that family, in that city, in that year, in that time in history for just a specific purpose, and God's purpose in part, is activated through the redemption, through your birth and your, the love that you're born into and the love that redeems you. That as soon as those intersect, boom, that's you. That's who you were made for. That's what you were made for. So our part in this, this is the part where we get a little squirmy, okay? Because as Americans, we want to put, pull ourselves up by our bootstraps right? I know I do. I want to have a big part. If, if I'm going to like receive something, I'm going to earn it. Who can relate with that, right? I'm going to earn it. Don't you be giving me charity, Lord. I don't need your charity, right? It's like, oh yes, I do. Oh yes, I do. The thing that we are doing in response to God's work and his love is receive. We are called to receive. We are called to sit with and wrestle with the love of God. That is, you're being confronted with. Your negative self-talk, your story, the things that people have said to you, the failures in your life, those are coming straight into an encounter with the love of God. And there's nothing you can do about it. Sorry. Those things don't disqualify you. I know that sucks, doesn't it? I know you'd like to be able to say, well, you know, I'll earn my way out of it. I'll put myself in time out. But the thing is, is that God is actually wanting you to sit with this. And I love this. This brings it all together for me. Psalm 131, David talks about how receiving love is actually the act of a child with their mother. He says in Psalm 131, my heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me, but I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child, I am content. So David is bringing us back to this moment where the moment where we're receiving love from God is a moment of just receptivity. It's calming ourselves down and letting ourselves receive from God. And I remember when I was dealing with um, postpartum depression and anxiety after my second child was born, and it was really debilitating. I was a very, very ill person. Um, And I didn't quite understand how bad it was. But this was the time where God taught me to just, I would literally just sit in a chair for like 10 minutes a day, before work and i was not reading my bible and i was not singing songs and i was not doing all the things that all the church people tell you to do that are good practices because that was not going to work for me i just needed to sit with god because i was cracking i was breaking inside and god was putting me back together with the help of some professionals and just me sitting there just sitting with god and just being i would just sit there and i would like go okay I love you God I know you love me that's all I could say I had nothing else and those moments of just letting God love me and just being present with him that's what kids are doing when you're when you have a little kiddo and you know how they always like want to run around whether you're a parent or grandparent or auntie or uncle or whatever the children always like they sit with you for a second then they want to run and sometimes you just kind of want them to sit you know and or when they're tired or maybe they're a little sick they're just snuggling with you and it's so sweet right and so there's not that sweetness is is like creating attachments and do you know that we need to attach to god right because hey we have a soul that's eternal and so we want to feel attached to god when we get to heaven we don't want to be, like be looking around trying to figure out who god is right we want, to, we want to be attached to him. And so sitting with God and doing the things that children do with their parents is a way for us at any stage to connect with God. Because here's David, he's a warrior, he's a king, and he is understanding his soul as a child. Pretty cool, huh? Right? So that part of us is always a child. That, we're a child of God, right? So the child of God, we can constantly allow ourselves to be treated in that way. Um, treating ourselves as a child and so it's that act of calming ourselves down sitting with God being present with him that allows us to receive the love of God the already love that you're born into the redemptive love that calls you into your calling and out of your past our job is to let ourselves be loved and so when we put this into practice I just want to encourage you to make time and you're gonna be uncomfortable if you've ever done meditation before if you've ever used like one of those apps or a video or been to a meditation session or anything um it could be secular or christian or whatever but you sit there for like a couple minutes and you feel squirmy right like is that just me you know it's like this feeling like oh and then all the things you need to be doing are coming to your mind and then you're having all these internal conflicts and uh your brain is getting distracted and it's like oh i need to write that down or whatever and you're just squirmy expect to be squirmy expect that you will want to run away right because it's hard to receive love it's countercultural. cultural and you know that most religions except christianity are all based on work right so like christianity in itself is like you say god saying hey i know that you're trying really hard and yet it's not quite enough let me come to you It is one of the unique features of Christianity. All the others are like, keep trying, keep doing, keep jumping on the trampoline as high as you can and get up here, right? Christianity is unique in that God comes to us and he models that way to to God, the way back to God for us. It is really, really unique. And so because Christianity is unique, it means it's counter to our nature. Our nature, it shows up in every religion, in American culture and in every religion it's like, I want to work. I want to earn it. I want so bad to just make it happen so that I can say I did this. And Christianity is like, here's the trade-off. I'm going to come to you, but you won't be able to say you did it. You're going to be saying God did it. Your story is going to be God did it. Isn't that awesome? I am a story of what God did. Isn't that awesome? And so that's the trade-off that we get. Pretty amazing, right? But that's why we feel so squirmy. Everything inside of us when we're sitting there having to receive love is like, Ooh, I just want to go do something. I want to go prove myself. I want to go like give some money away or like go serve at the soup kitchen. And God's like, sit. Let me love you. Become a person who is loved. Then go serve at the soup kitchen. Then go write a check. Sure. But don't do that to get love because you already have. So what are you doing just sit still let me love you so that's the meditation that i want to invite us into and just stay a little bit longer than you're comfortable with okay stay if you're comfortable like if you get squirmy at two minutes stay for three if you get squirmy at five minutes stay for six if you get squirmy at 10 seconds stay for 11 okay like there's something here for everyone but but god wants to meet you in that place of not working for something that he has already given you. He wants to bring you into your true identity, into that eternal self. So um, we're going to wrap up here.